This is Speak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Matt Loberstein. Matt is an entrepreneur and a content creator. He's currently focused on Rizal Shoes. He founded it earlier this year, 2023, and they are amazing. I have a couple pairs and I love them. They are earthing or grounding shoes, meaning that they are made of leather. The leather soles with a copper plug allows them to be conducted so that one can access the free electron flow on the surface of the earth, the electromagnetic energy of the earth that brings down our body's inflammation. We talk a bit about that. My, my previous episode before this was with Kim Obrip, the world's number one expert in earthing and grounding. He invented the concept. In this one, we, we touch on the importance and the power of earthing slash grounding and what it has been like building a brand. Matt created these shoes because he's a big believer in earthing and wants to spread the message. These shoes are a symbol for an entire health movement and earthing and grounding is a big part of holistic health, which is a reason why I love wearing my Rizos, the raw leather on bare feet is just such a pleasurable tactile experience you've got to feel it out try it for yourself if you are intrigued use the coupon code case to save 10 percent off new pair of risals that coupon code will be down below for anyone who's keen to grab a pair of risals barefoot is best but we can't always be barefoot risals are the next best great way to remain grounded and continue to access the free electrons flowing on the surface of the earth also worth mentioning if you'd like to contribute to peak earth best way to do that is leaving a five-star review on the spotify app or the apple app those always warm my gizzards and enough jibber jabber from me let's dive into this episode mac goes in a great detail on building a brand on the power of raw milk ice cream which we are both passionate about and of course earthing and grounding risal shoes all the good stuff appreciate you tuning in Thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode with Matt Oberstein. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Very well. Glad we were able to connect. I've been following you online for a while now. You're doing a lot of fascinating things. So I'm excited to connect in conversation and, and see where this flows. Yeah, same right back at you. It's been it's been a few months or so since I think I found your Twitter and I feel like we're into a lot of the same things. So it should be a fun conversation. I'll start right off the bat and just say that you're doing something really exciting with Rizal Shoes for everyone listening who is unfamiliar. You'll be able to explain this in, in much greater depth, I'm, I'm sure, and I'm excited to dig in this, but these are earthing shoes. What, what went on there? How'd, how'd you get this out into the world? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's a, it's a long convoluted story of how I got to that point. But yeah, in short, um, and we can go deeper on it if you want to, but yeah, Rizal Shoes are grounding shoes, uh, natural materials, all leather, uh, barefoot as well, wide toe box, zero drop, all of that. And, you know, it was really just scratching my own itch. I've, I've been in e-commerce and online business and stuff for a good 10 years. I mean, basically my entire adult life, I've just been like doing side hustles and figuring out my own thing and slowly getting to a point where I'm combining business with the things I'm actually passionate about. And I would say Rizal is like the first real fully, I, I kind of had one example that a few things that sort of aligned, but Rizal is the first one that feels uh truest most most aligned so it's just uh yeah you know it's a new project it only launched in january and it's off to a great start and it's just been a blast to be putting something out there into the world that that i wanted myself um as you know getting into natural clothing and stuff like that that's something that's definitely expanded in the last couple of years as well as just moving beyond the basics of just like nutrition and getting into light and grounding and, you know, all these other pillars of health and grounding was something I started to take more seriously in the last year or two. And I just saw it as like something that wasn't quite being done in the way I wanted and made it happen. Awesome. And grounding, earthing, really synonymous terms. And there's a, a podcast that'll be available for anyone listening to this with Clint Ober, who's essentially the, the father of earthing and grounding. He kind of popularized the concept for this process that happens. How do you explain people? How do you how do you explain earthing and grounding to people who are like kind of tilt their head like and, and ask you what well, you know what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, even even below the science, I think the part that attracts me the most is just that it makes sense. It just makes sense that like we were in contact with the earth. Like that's the way we evolved. And then, you know, to actually explain what's happening is you build up static charge, you know, from, 
from wind, from, from touching carpets, from being in cars, from movement, like all these things, um, you know, they, they create a positive charge in your body. And basically the earth is neutral, essentially. Sometimes it's described as negative charge. I believe what that actually means is it's negative in comparison because it, it's just like a, it's about the, the gradient or the difference. So you, your body ends up holding a, a positive static charge. Um, and you discharge that when you touch the ground. So then you're in like a, a circuit with the earth and you're, you're at a, uh, there's continuity. So you're at the same charge with the earth, which actually means that you are gaining electrons from the earth. So those negative, those negative electrons are being pulled into your body and neutralizing positive static charge. And that's the way I understand it. I, I'm like, like you said, Clinton Ober, I'm excited to listen to that. I mean, that's gonna be great. He's definitely the, the father of, of really pioneering the science too. And I know he's like funded and kicked off a lot of that, a lot of the research and studies that are out there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's been, it's been shown, it's been linked to all kinds of things, uh, lowered inflammation kind of being like the root, the root pathway to all of that. Um, and it's essentially, it's essentially the original antioxidant. You know, if you're gaining an electron, that is part of like the, the redox reaction and, uh, you know, just beneficial all around for so many things. Absolutely. And I know, Personally, I feel so much more relaxed when I'm able to be barefoot on the earth for at least 20 minutes, preferably around an hour a day. It doesn't take too much, but it really is so, so essential for me to when I get to the park or when I get to the beach, I'm taking my shoes off and I'm, and I'm walking barefoot on that. And it, it just irks me to see people wearing their shoes because they're cutting themselves off from this free source of relaxation and anti-inflammatory and, and you're making it possible for folks to not even have to bridge that gap. Like you can just wear your shoes and for everyone listening, concrete is conductive. So concrete is a mixture of water and rocks, both natural materials. So the electric charge is able to conduct through that and, and reach our body through wearing the shoes that you create because they're leather, which is also conductive. So we've got this exactly. circuit that, that we're maintaining asphalt, not as much. There's petroleum in there. So that's blunted and yeah. <laughs> plastic shoes. So plastic sold shoes were created in the 1960s, insulated us yeah. from this connection with the earth. Being inside buildings too, of course, because anything that's raised or has some kind of like, you know, um, under the ground barrier between is, is isolating you. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm in, and I'm, I'm at home. I'm, I'm not ground at the moment. I mean, I do have a mat nearby though. That's a kind of a different subject, but um, yeah, you know, you, one thing you touched on, I think is super key and, and was really part of like, what gets me excited about Rizal is it's, it's about increasing just your overall time spent grounded because, you know, now I'm like the Rizal shoe guy. I'm never going to go around and being like, no, like you don't need to be barefoot. You don't need to go to the beach. It's like, no, 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 that's not it at all. It's more like, um, actually to make a comparison, I think, um, I think it was either like liver King or Paul Saladino would make this, make this. It's like, you know, eat the, eat the organs, but like, if you can't then eat the, the desiccated pills. Right. And I think it's the same sort of thing with Rizal. It's like, I'm absolutely still out there walking barefoot. I'm absolutely jumping in the ocean. I'm absolutely, you know, barefoot at the park if I can, but for all those other times that I'm just out and about and doing my thing, I'm wearing risals. I'm still getting some extra grounding in anytime I'm on, you know, dirt, uh, sidewalks, concrete, uh, you know, any, any natural material surface. So it's really just, to me, it's about, you're able to increase that overall time spent grounded. Yeah. It's really key. And it's somewhat hilarious too, where you really stand out if you're barefoot in, <laughs> in a public place like aside from the beach like in kind of coastal areas you can sort of get away with it but if you're just like walking around even at the farmer's market here in LA if you're the barefoot guy like people look at you kind of weird they assume that you're potentially homeless it's it's a wild uh. place, place where we're at with society where like being barefoot's really kind of frowned upon in, in like you know social circles totally and there's other factors too but yeah there's one farmer's market down, down here in Lucadia that uh it's like at a like in a school um like in their outdoor area so it's on like grass and you, it's pretty accepted there which is pretty sweet <laughs> but um you know the other thing is like there's it, it's unfortunate but like we live in this like polluted i mean the world's beautiful obviously but like things have gotten so polluted and so nasty it's like i don't want to be i i personally feel very uncomfortable crossing roads in like barefoot i mean it's the petroleum roads there's just like all these things being dropped from cars in the road i mean you're stepping in oil who knows what chemicals um also like even glyphosate in grass um like you kind of always have to be a bit conscious of where you're walking barefoot 
I know even in some areas, there's like risks of parasites and things like that. If you're walking barefoot, um, not to say anyone shouldn't walk barefoot. I still think barefoot is king, but you know, it's just really cool to have, to have an alternative for, for all the other times. And one thing I love to, to reframe about barefoot is calling it free foot because almost <laughs> even just like calling it barefoot is like something is bare. You're like, you're missing something. It's like, well, this is free. Like I'm liberated. I'm, I'm able to really express the dynamics of, of this foot that I have, which has hundreds of, of different muscles, ligaments, joints, this entire complex structure that is a sensory organ and modulates my entire nervous system, especially when I'm engaging in, in movement practice. I do a lot of one foot, you know, single leg balance movements and and that allows my proprioception system to kind of kick in and and activate my body mind in a really complete um, unique and, and nourishing way at least for me so that's a big part of my, my training protocol I'm, I'm curious if the leather shoes that you have the well I have, a, I have a lot of questions about them so I guess I would I'll just start by kind of taking a step back before I, I dig into the details and just kind of inquire about the, the process of bringing these to market was it was it like how long did it go from idea to product on, on, on the marketplace? I think it depends on the way I think about it. Like in, in some ways, I think the idea might have been planted in my head like, you know, years ago and kind of like it's the evolution of everything I've ever done in a sense, right? And all these different interests coming together. But more realistically, it happened very quickly. Like from the point where I was like, oh man, like I, I see I see similar stuff that I could change to the point, like... So basically this design, this first design is based on this traditional Turkish shoe that has been manufactured that it's, it's been a staple for probably hundreds of years, handmade in Turkey. And it's this style of leather shoe, but they're not barefoot. They're not, they don't have the copper, of course, but like, it's this classic design. And when I stumbled on that, I was like, okay, this is very close. This, um, clearly, clearly if I can find, um, workshops that are making this style of shoe, I can, you know ask for the things that I want to change around and, and make it possible. So, you know, went through several months of iterations on stuff like that. But ultimately, I, I just like, I just knocked this one out. I think, um, I think, you know, I've, I've been in like, entrepreneurship and e commerce for a long time. And I have I have some friends that have just like wanted to get into stuff forever. And they just think about it and think about it and think about it. But really, what I've realized is there's just like a moment. And there's one moment where you just like, actually are doing it versus not doing it. And once you're actually doing it, then it just then it just happens. Like you, you can make stuff happen in really not much time if you actually like even if you, you know, are employed or whatever. I mean, if you if you spend a an hour a day of like real work on something, I mean you can get you can get a lot done. So, you know, this probably first became a serious idea like late summer of twenty twenty two. Um and then, you know, within no time I was like trying to find uh, potential manufacturers and workshops and starting to iterate, starting to work on branding, design, things like that. And uh, just wanted to get the first thing out there as quickly as possible too. You know, I could have spent like three years trying to like design something like super wild and, and different, um, but rather I, I wanted to get this out there and then, um, you know, kind of prove the concept, which now I think I'm at that point. And now, now I'm working on, um, you know, some pretty unique stuff that should be pretty cool. So. Awesome. What has been, your favorite part of it, the journey so far? I know you're only, well, it's early May. You're five five months into it actually being launched. What, what has yeah. been your favorite moment? Well, it's actually, it's actually, is it quite fun? Yeah, well, it was launched like January 18th, so not quite. But um, yeah, I mean, man, my favorite thing since launching it, probably just like reaching, reaching the people that are into this. Because like one conscious decision that I've made so far with it is I don't want to go out. I, I don't want to be trying to convince people of grounding. Like that's that's not the market I'm trying to um, go after, at least so far. I'd much rather get this in front of the people that just already get it, you know. And um, that's been cool because I feel like the customers of Risals are basically people I would be friends with, and in many cases they are my friends. <laughs> and um, that's just awesome because it's like it's like it's a really cool filter to to see that people are on a similar mental path as you and they're probably into other things too. Like I, I had this one like post and that I ran as an ad that I was like joking around half joking, which was like shoes for raw milk drinkers. And and it's like, yes, dude, it is. It's like these are these are the shoes that you wear if you're also into raw milk, if you're also into like putting your phone on airplane mode, if you're also into like drinking spring water out of glass and 
all these different things, then, then like, you're probably going to align with these shoes too. So it's just cool to like, um, kind of see that it attracts, uh, the similar vibe that that i'm in so that's probably my favorite part so far absolutely i i imagine there's someone out there listening to this right now they're wearing rizel shoes blue light blocking glasses they're drinking <laughs> raw milk and they're just you know, enjoying this like yes yeah that's me this whole holistic slathering guy. tallow on their face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what it is like and, and and that's another thing too is like um i mean not to just go down like the the business side i'm used to talking about all that stuff because i used to do content around around that so that's like the mode i get in when i'm when i'm on an interview it's fascinating because I know myself I've had ideas for products and I'm sure many people listening have ideas for things. And they're just like, it seems like maybe this impossibility or this amazingly difficult bridge to cross to where they've suddenly got a, sh- a store online and they've got a manufacturer and they've got the thing, you know, in boxes ready to ship. Like that whole process seems like this amazingly difficult maze to navigate. But is I'm, I also imagine that now with e-commerce, there's a lot of systems set up, softwares to use. And, and a lot of it's been established. Is it incredibly complex as one might imagine, or is it more of a, a simple process once you get used to it? I think people just overcomplicate it. And, and I think a lot of business, especially like online, is people just want the ego part of it more than like the actual making of the business and serving people cool stuff. Uh, you know, people want to brag about uh, like even just revenue. Like I used to do that with Amazon back in the day when I was doing content. I don't do that anymore. But, um, or like I have so many employees or like, you know, I do all this stuff. And, um, the reality is like, you don't have to do any of that. Like Brizel is literally like me so far. And I've, I'm packing the orders myself. I'm, you know, just like all this I've done, I've responded to every customer service thing myself. Like you can get to like a pretty decent scale before you have to worry about like all these super complicated processes and, and things. So like, you know, the software stack is like pretty simple. Like I'm not using anything too crazy at all. Um, that said, maybe some of it just seems obvious to me at this point because I've been through this process like many times at this point. So, um, you know, the the speed to, to get there is is very quick now. And that's why this brand kind of came out so much faster than any of my prior brands um, that I've worked on. But yeah, I mean, there's really not a lot to it. You just need to like think through. It's like, okay, well, I need the product. I need a way to ship it. I need a way for people to hear about it. I need a way for people to like pay for it. Um, you know, you just set up Shopify, um, you figure out your product, you obviously it's not, I don't want to oversimplify it because I think there's like a magic to it, um, especially with branding. You cannot just like throw a product out there and expect it to sell that like does not work, but you have to have this. Um, for me, the most important thing to brand is something that like doesn't have words. It's, it's hard for me to explain even after like being like the brand guy for a while is like, it's this intangible thing of like, it just needs to strike people as already existing in a sense and it just looks legitimate and it looks and it speaks to something deeper and i think i think i kind of nailed that with risal more than any of my prior brands like just like the color palettes the, down to the name down to the design of the shoes and just everything about how the website and experience and content is so far there's a long way to go but yeah i really don't think it's that that, that complicated you know you just have to i think the big thing is people just hesitate to do anything and like you know if you've got an idea for a product just like shoot out some emails to potential suppliers, like just freaking dig on Google or, or depending on what type of product you're doing, there's different places to search, start hitting people up and just have conversations. Like the world, the way business works is not like so buttoned up as people might assume. Like literally it's just, it's like, it's like, it's like a text message. Like just fucking say some shit. Like it doesn't matter. Like you don't, you don't have to like send them like a business plan and like, I don't know, like just, just, just hit them up. Um, you know, so yeah, I think people overcomplicate it. I think that just comes from, from fear of a failure, I guess, um, must be. That's great advice. And, and there's a lot there, I think in, in a lot of different realms that can be applied, like the, the ego, the people want to be the noun without doing the verb so often. And, and where it's just like this ego driven thing to like put on the profile, like I'm the CEO and the founder of like some company that hasn't even like sold a single product yet. That shit's also... <laughs> If you ever see me doing that shit again in my bio, just like immediately call me out. Like that stuff is so <laughs> stupid. Um, it's also stupid. I mean, I was kind of like an e-com guru like a, like years back. Um, I had a YouTube channel and did like a course and consulting and all that stuff and had all these people thinking I knew everything. And it's just really stupid. It's honestly, it's a huge mistake. Anyone, 
anyone that puts up that type of business content is just lost and doesn't understand like why they're doing it in the first place. Maybe it's just for the money, but um, yeah, I think it's like a huge, um, you know, it's a huge mistake in just actually, actually being on the right path to truly creating the life you want. It's like, it's almost in conflict with that to just act like, to just act all that that way and telling people what to do. We even see this in the health space with, with health influencers. And that's why I kind of like, in a sense, gave up on content. I mean, now I screw around on Twitter, but I don't really think of myself as like a personal brand or I'm not like trying to like, you know, funnel people into something. Like I, I just like post raw milk ice cream on Twitter and like fuck around basically. <laughs> um, and, you know, cause that, that and, and really where that came from is because I used to be like a content guy putting out, like, you know, I was following Gary Vee and I was like, vlogging and I was like you know just putting out everything and doing all this stuff and um I just I don't know it's like hollow you get all these people that are like telling people I think you do a great job of this because you don't you're, you're a great example of not like telling people what to do and I think that's a huge problem it's like you you're you're just you're sharing and that's super authentic but there's so much like prescriptive content, whether it's business, health or whatever. It's like, you should do this. You must do that. It's like, Nadia, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's, uh, yeah, I, I strive for that too. And it, it rubs me the wrong way as well. It's where it's just like, gosh, you know, this is, this is not it. But it's also, I think it takes a little while to kind of get to the to point where we realize like, because we're all trained, you know, through the school system and, and through, I think a lot of, the you know hierarchical corporate structure of, of a lot of the way the world is made where we want these like you know simple you know directives and and, and dominance hierarchies and and as as sovereign yeah. beings i think we 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 owe it to ourselves to kind of break out of that and and really tap in to our own creative force and find what's what's true for us and i think what i love what you're doing and you touched on the raw milk ice cream a little bit something you share online are, the, are these beautiful amazing raw milk ice cream recipes and and what you're doing with Rizel, it's really amazing branding and and the whole thing it's it's very creative and artistic uh, do you have like an artistic side that you cultivate creativity with with other practices or is this something that has always been a part mm. of your soul or like how does that sort of emerge such an interesting question yeah i think um i think kind of deep down i kind of am more of an artist than than anything maybe and i think that's an area that i've had to suppress for a long time in a lot of ways because we're living in this, you know, corporate capital capitalistic sort of world where you have to, you have to put, you have to do something to just exist essentially. I mean, yeah, you could be a beach bum maybe, but like, if you really want to create a beautiful life that you want, you have to participate in the system. And I also think business is an art. And I think that, you know, I do think the stuff that I'm doing is an art and even even tweeting can be an art and not that that's like a business but yeah i think that's um that's a really interesting point you picked up on and i do think i do think brands and products and obviously content and it is an art yeah and you know like i i grew up um making music a lot and i've really put that on the back burner and i feel like someday i could end up like like maybe someday i'm just like at a certain financial level where i'm just like screw it. Like this year, I'm just making music. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Or like and messages. I, it's not just music, but it's like, it's like putting out messages. And I, I definitely think that that's, um, I haven't done as much of that on Twitter these days, but like, you know, even just like philosophy, psychological type of stuff. Like, um, I do think that's like a really strong drive in my heart. Yeah. I, I do pick up on that through the, through through your raw milk ice cream, you've conveyed the deep heartfelt, your heartfelt meaning. And I, I picked up on it's for anyone. I'll, I'll link, I'll be sure to link um, a few of your raw milk ice cream recipes because they are, they are amazing. Like some of the best pictures and recipes for ice cream that, I, that I've ever seen. And it's for anyone who's interested in the art of ice creamery, you've got to, you know, <laughs> check this out and try these recipes because it's, it's, it's really awesome. And, and I know, um, raw milk ice cream has been something that I've played around with. I think it was really this past year and it, it's pretty life-changing because it's, it's this amazingly delicious superfood, really one of the very best things 
on planet Earth because it's just this amazing combination of like egg yolk, raw honey, raw cream, milk, and kind of whatever else you want to add. And it does end up being this very nutrient-dense sort of snack or food and uh, really a drug in a way where it's like also nourishing. There's nothing else yeah. like it. It's, it's amazing stuff. It's unreal. Yeah. And it's all new for me too. I mean, this was only in the last year uh, since I became the ice cream man, um, <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, just like tying into my, my health journey and all of that is, uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing dairy for, for years. Um, like, you know, I was gluten-free, dairy-free and, um, you know, it wasn't until for a while I kind of reintroduced like raw cheese first, but I wasn't even doing raw milk until a year ago or, or so. So that's kind of where it was like, wait a second, I'm doing raw milk now. I, I already had an ice cream maker because I did screw around with like some like some bulletproof ice cream recipes way back and like coconut cream base only a couple of times. I literally made it like once or twice way back and I was like, ah, whatever. But then I was like, OK, now I'm doing raw dairy. Like I have an ice cream machine. Hmm. And before that actually was I started making um, I don't know if you've seen on that. I've posted them a few times, but I've done these like palettas, like popsicle type of things, like with a like a mold on a stick. Like I started doing that with raw kefir um, that started before the raw milk ice cream. And that was the evolution. I still make those. And that's still a great and, and easier way to start, honestly, um, because, yeah, you can just like you basically make a smoothie and pour it into a mold. And then you have like a raw kefir fruit popsicle or something so that's a bomb way to start i have a few of those posted but yeah the raw milk ice cream revolution is just insane and um yeah i have a brand in my mind for that that i'm just obsessed with but like as i'm sure you know and probably people listening like the legal the legal regulatory i mean it's like dude it's unbelievable like just how regulated the the big dairy is like it makes it's insane so i don't know if i can find any sort of loophole to make make that a reality but i would love if anyone listening knows how to navigate that loophole like i seriously i think it's probably a horrible business it's probably way less lucrative or interested than anything i'm currently working on but i would 100 percent give it a shot as a side project the brand name is matt's forbidden cream and uh yeah i've got the whole vision in my mind it's it's epic dude <laughs> yeah this is one of those things where like it would be such an amazing service and good to provide to people like if you could you know, go through that, all that, you know, it's, it's possible in California. I think of all the states, like raw milk seems to be the most accessible here. Um, even though it may not be the best quality, it, it's still pretty good. And, and it's like super available. And, and if we were to, you know, offer raw milk ice cream, there may even be enough people who would, you know, at least keep the business somewhat afloat. Might not be super profitable, but the ice cream itself would be so expensive. It would be like, it would be like 20 dude, bucks for like a scoop. No, dude, it, I think it'd be like, I think it'd be like 40 to 50 bucks for a pint. I mean, it would like have to be, maybe I could get the cost way down if I was like obviously getting the the cream and milk and wholesale and stuff like that. But dude, it, it, the, the ice cream is really interesting because it really is like a microcosm for everything else going on because it is very nutrient dense and healthy. And even beyond that, something I've realized just as I've began making ice cream, like even if you didn't give a shit about the shit, the stuff we care about, ice cream has been cheapened. It's just like everything, everything comes down to cost. That's why that's why clothing is made of plastic now. And even ice cream, if you go to the store, the cheap ice cream is like skim milk and guar gum. But if real ice cream is ice cream, dude, <laughs> like it's cream, it's frozen cream and cream is really expensive. So it's such a crazy thing because so when I do my recipes, it's a two to one ratio of cream to milk. I put an entire you know, $15 raw farm cream into my batches of ice cream, um, plus everything else. If you, if you wanted to make it way cheaper, I mean, you could just, you could like invert that ratio, use way more milk to cream, get a different texture, put some freaking guar gum or whatever. And then like you end up with a, with like ice cream as most people know it, but the real deal stuff is like not made anymore. Like even if you didn't care about grass fed raw, any of that, like, I don't think you can go to the store and find an ice cream that has the first ingredient as cream. I haven't looked that closely, but it feels like most of all ice cream has just been like, you know, cheapened. And that, that I think is kind of like similar to the way, the way everything has gone just in terms of like cutting costs and like substituting unhealthy things because of, because of cost, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that gum is added for those listening who haven't taking a dive into making ice cream, you need something to sort of act as a substrate between 
the milk and the cream and that's traditionally egg yolk. And then a lot of people are maybe taking aback raw egg yolk and ice cream. What? It's like, yeah, that's, that's how proper ice cream is made. And you will find egg yolk in some ice cream bands. I think Haagen-Dazs still does it that way in a lot of theirs, but most of the more accessible and even some of the more expensive ones use guar gum, xanthan gum, these like, you know, yeah. sort of root based uh, gums from like the Amazon rainforest or something. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly how they get those things, but that sort of acts as like a, congealing factor to make it so that when you take a bite, there's not a bunch, bunch of like ice, you know, in between. Um, exactly. The and I, I, I like to imagine like the, the first person who made ice cream way back must've been a genius and just had their mind blown where they, I mean, they had access to cream, they had access to probably honey, they had access to yolk and then they somehow were able to freeze it, like mix it together and freeze it and then eat it. Like their mind just been like, Oh, blown. Yeah. It must've been in like, either cold environments where they had a lot of ice or snow handy to be able to freeze it. But um, yeah, I've, um, I've gone down the rabbit hole a bit on that of like the history of ice cream. I'm not enough to like, you know, be an expert on it, but like, I've just had some nights where I've like gone down and dude, there's some really interesting stuff about like old world, healthy ice cream recipes. Like literally there was a thing called, there was oyster ice cream. Like they <laughs> made oyster ice cream. This was a thing. And Apparently, like the founding fathers of America ate oyster ice cream. Like this is a real thing. Like, like look this shit up. <laughs> like I, when I was reading this, I was just like, my mind was exploding, and I was just like, wow. dude, they were they were doing all these crazy esoteric health things that have just been dropped. And you know, there was a lot of savory ice creams. There were like like cheese ice creams, and um, you know, a lot of herbs and. There's still stuff like that, like floral stuff. Um, that, that's still kind of a thing, like orange blossom or rose. And, you know, a lot of these early ice creams were, were like more on that side. And then it kind of eventually evolved into like freaking like, you know, brownie marshmallow, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Dude, marshmallow is another interesting thing. I mean, that's that's a health food, like in its real state. Wow. Gelatin, yeah. honey or maple, uh, you know, that's some that's some good stuff all these things have been adulterated. It's wild. It is. It really is insane. And, and it reminds me of this sort of one of my favorite health cooking principles is if you make it yourself, you can eat as much of it as you want. And like, there's really nothing unhealthy under the sun. If, if you make it yourself, you can just use high quality ingredients. Like there are no low quality foods. There are only low quality ingredients where right? French fries. Yeah. That can be, you know, a health food you could get in tallow. It's potato towels and salt and same with chips. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And it's so much more naturally satiating. I mean, I think this is something that is like so prevalent with like the seed oil epidemic is like, you can just keep like, like how many lays can you eat? Whereas, um, dude recently. So there's this super ultra based raw milk supplier, at the at the markets here and they had some um organic potato chips in pasteurized it was not it was a uh, lard actually with celtic sea salt mm -hmm. and these things were incredible but you wouldn't want that many like you would get satiated from it there's just natural controls even even like raw milk ice cream if you're having that real cream that real saturated fat i mean like dude it's it, it would be it'd be pretty hard to eat as much mass forbidden cream as you could ben and jerry's i think <laughs> Like you would yeah. just be, you'd be tapped out. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I mean, you can make all these things healthy. I mean, everything can be done well. And again, it's back to things being cheaped out and, and even just like the processes of things, uh, like take wheat It used to be sourdough it used to be, well, first of all, it used to not be sprayed with horrendous chemicals and then it used to be fermented and now it's like, everything's rushed. Everything's, you know, sprayed with, with toxic shit. So, you know, everything's, everything's messed up and uh you know especially with the grains and stuff there used to be all these processes for making them digestible and this this was like wisdom that was known about like how to process certain almost inedible foods and make them nutritious right like that's really what cooking is is like how do you take these things that exist in nature and like create a more nutri nutritious and digestible state i mean some things are just ready to eat right out of the right out of nature, honey, like even like raw meat, potential, uh, eggs, but like, you know, uh, getting into everything else. I mean, preparation is really what like allowed our, our, us to get so much more nutrient density and, uh, you know, really like develop our modern brains is, I think cooking is a big part of that actually. Absolutely. Fire. Yeah. Fire, fermentation, cooking. That's yeah. 
really the foundation of civilization if we if we track it back along with some sort of x factor there there's something along the way whether it was magic mushrooms or some sort of alien intervention exactly. or d- <laughs> divine <laughs> divine uh intervention i don't know stone ape theory yeah there, there's some mystery there but aside from that it was cooking played a massive that was like the kind of catalyst yeah yeah i was just listening to um jack cruz on rick rubin H- have you got into that yet no uh, highly recommend it. It's like a six hour podcast series. I'm not done with it yet, but like, um, yeah, he was talking, I don't know this well enough to explain it, but he was talking about like, um, you know, like way back in history, like dinosaur extinction era and like how that changed, like the light environment and how that his theory is that that is what actually kicked off the Cambrian explosion. So like the wild variety of species and evolution and all of that came from this altered, uh, you know, UV and light spectrum environment that, that allowed for that. Um, prior to that, it's like there weren't seasons, there weren't different light spectrums and everything was in like this more narrow band. And yeah, I don't know. The longer I'm into this stuff, the more I'm fascinated by that side, that the really it's the electromagnetic, uh, spectrum and that includes light. So, and that, and that includes grounding that includes EMF and, you know, nutrition is cool, but it, it doesn't seem to be the whole picture. It doesn't seem to be, um, there's just so many things screwing with us these days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like that's something that I kind of, I see, you know, like on Twitter sometimes and, and, and I disagree with this, like you take something like raw milk ice cream and, and, and that's incredible or, or just raw milk. And it's, yes, it's very healthy, but it's not a panacea. And I, and I think the way I see it is like, we're just, we've just reverted this one aspect back to the way it should be. And like, there's still so many other things like bombarding us 24 seven that we, that we're, we, we really don't have solutions for yet. You know, it's like, it's hard to control our environments entirely and, and get back to like a truly natural state. Even, even, even the raw milk, it's like most of the brands are coming in plastic bottles or whatever. And even if they're in glass, it's like, are they spraying bleach on the machines or something? Like, I mean, there's just a lot of weird stuff going on and it's no matter what we're exposed to, like a lot of weird, a lot of terrible toxins and things like that. And it feels like, it feels like the, the EMF and including light might actually be a bigger factor. I agree. I agree. These also, also because these solutions are accessible and, and free and they allow you to sort of, structure and, and lay a foundation for like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, have my technology, the blue light at, at night as, as a way to sort of wind down and get better sleep. It's like, okay, oh, now we've got better sleep and that better sleep feeds into everything else. And then the EMF. So being aware of, of EMF is important because now I'm going to spend more time earthing and earthing brings down inflammation, amplifies relaxation, increases your heart rate variability, meaning you're better able to handle stress, which then allows you to sleep better also. And then that feeds back into the system. You're able to better make, uh, make better decisions with, with your nutrition and, and your eating patterns. And it, it all kind of feeds into this cycle. And, and as you're describing the system of sun, earth, air, we can consider EMF, I guess, you know, bad air in a way where it's like the electromagnetic frequency of the air. You can't really see it, but it's, it's there. Like th- this, that whole system, that natural system, we're a part of that. Like humans are earth and air and sun sort of materialized within four limbs if, if we're fortunate and and that's being aware of the way that system interacts is so important and, and foundational yeah. and fundamental because it feeds into the sleep and the food exactly i mean we're living in a massive experiment that has never been that has never played out before i mean we've never in you know we had millions of years of of natural evolution um assuming you believe that and then suddenly we're like having satellites bombard us with a non-native like all these crazy frequencies 24 7 i mean even if you're out in nature like you're you're still not in nature anymore which is like kind of a bummer and i think that's why we have to do all these things just to like strive to get back to our 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 peak (laughs) you know and um because otherwise it's like how do you even function it's like I, i i do i do all the things and it's still like damn like i i still feel like um there's untapped potential. Like there's something that wasn't fully allowed to have the space to be like fully functional in its highest form. So yeah, you know, that's why I do all these things. It's like we, it it feels like a a necessity really just to, uh, to kind of cope and, and um, you know, still reach your peak. 
Agreed. Agreed. And, and it's, it's been a fascination of me, this, this topic as, as well as like, what are the, what are the missing pieces of the puzzle? I, I know I grew up, you know, really until age like 27 or 28, just really pretty lost and, and searching, seeking what was wrong. Like, why do I not feel right? What is the missing piece? And I think part of that is just being human. Like we all kind of feel like something is missing kind of all the time. Like holism is maybe even just, you know, a fantasy or a dream to be like really perfectly whole, mm. especially like if, if we're considering community as a big part of the puzzle where like I'm literally relying on a tribe of people every day in order to survive, like reconnecting that human hive mind is like a big one that we're all missing. And it's, that one's really yeah. difficult because, because of the, like the system that we're in, unless you're going to go live on some permaculture, uh, you know, farm somewhere where you are like, we're all relying on each other, like hunt and get food, like really restoring back to that hunter gatherer lifestyle where you're like barefoot all day in the sunshine, eating food fresh from the soil. Like, but that's really not realistic for a lot of people. Not and many of us don't want to, you know, go down that path. So the question is, okay, what could I do kind of every day to emulate that as best I can and, and sort of balance like my state versus my, you know, the demands of myself within this techno corporate culture yeah. that we're in. It's like it's a tricky balance. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of positives of technology too. And I don't I don't think the solution is just to throw everything out and go like live in caves again. Um, I mean like we wouldn't be connected, we wouldn't be having this conversation, we wouldn't have this whole space of people interested in this if it weren't for technology. At the same time, maybe like things wouldn't have gotten as screwed up in the first place. But, you know, I think there's a lot of positives to it. And so I'm not like anti-development. It's just like we need to like get a grip on what we're doing. And it's like if you're blowing up the planet to do these things, then it's like, hey, guys, like maybe that doesn't make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and is these simple choices like are you going to spend your money on on these plastic shoes that distort the way that your foot works or are you going to spend your money on shoes that are made of leather that allow you to absorb electrons from the clouds that send lightning into the earth mm. every few minutes that literally you're absorbing lightning energy and you're an electric being this earth is an electric being and and it's you can be part of that harmony you know, every single day, these choices are being made. Are we going to be moving in the direction of harmony, of, of homeostasis, of synergy with the way that this biosphere is functioning at its higher level? Or are we going to be moving away towards false advertising, Nike getting getting their shoes made, you know, in a in a from potentially uh, nefarious conditions over in a, in a place where, it, you know, you could call it a sweatshop. And, and that that's not a situation we want. And what it, they're making massive margins on these products, selling the glitz and the glamour. Meanwhile, you're getting this plastic sold shoe that is distorting your entire body mind from the ground up. Or you can get something like a Rizal shoe that is going to reconnect you with the power of Pashmama, Mother Earth. And it's real. It's legit. It's powerful. And it, that brings me up uh, something I wanted to ask before I forget is the name Rizal Shoes. Where did where did that come from? Do you know already? I'm just curious. I somewhat no but i i don't okay. know <laughs> i'm just curious if, if people if some people piece it together or or i guess it's on the website somewhere but um so so i knew um i knew from the beginning i was like i want this name and brand to like obviously represent the connection to the ground and i i kept coming up with like the concept of like roots like rooted and i was like thinking on that word and i was like okay how can i it needs to be something kind of like encompassing of that. And at first I was like, I was looking at the word root in like other languages. And I, I was, I, I, I originally, I thought it was going to be raiz, which is root in Spanish. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then uh, after a little more digging around, I was like, oh shit, like the mycorrhizal network, the mycorrhizal network is like the root communication network in the soil. So it's how, how like, like trees can literally send signals to other trees through, through the roots using, um, fungi signals so that's the myco is fungi and then rhizal means of roots so it's like of the root network um so that's where the concept of of rhizal came from is pulling it from that word mycorrhizal and i think it just perfectly represents it because it's like you're 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 reconnecting to this this alive information of the ground you know um that's the way i i i think about it and um yeah i'm like I, I still just think it's like the perfect name for this so i think it has the right look and just so i, I i'm really happy with the name and then and then the logo too is also uh, kind of like an interesting little little easter egg i don't know if you know this one but um if you if you look up just the there, there's a symbol that's used in like schematics of houses and stuff for like the electrical 
like there's a symbol that means electrical ground. Um, and the electrical ground symbol, um, this was when I was like kind of conceptualizing um, logos and stuff like that. And so I stumble on that and I'm like, you know, that kind of already looks cool. It's like this, it's like this line and then these three lines. And I was like, okay, it has to be something related to that. So I took the, the actual symbol for that has been used for however long to, sig to signify electrical ground and basically like modified it, gave it some different angles, came up with this like tricolor scheme. But that logo is based on like the actual symbol for electrical ground, um, which is also, I think, kind of cool. That is cool. Thanks for sharing that. That I like both <laughs> those stories give a deeper meaning to the entire enterprise. And on, while we're on the topic, I did have some other questions that I just want to make sure I, I asked because I think they're going to be top of mind for folks. I know they are for me. Is Since they're made of leather, what happens if it, if it rains or if you step in a puddle and, and they get wet? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think there's there's some trade-offs with using natural materials. You know, like the the plastics, like you were saying, the, the margins on plastic shoes are insane and, and they last really well. You know, it's like a tire. It's like a tire for your foot. You know, it's this like plastic manufactured thing that costs $3 and sells for a lot. And, and, you know, leather has real cost. It's a real native natural material. And, you know, that requires like a little bit different of, of care and like responsibility around it. So, yeah, they're really like they they don't do the best in, in water. I, I would generally recommend avoiding it, especially if you care about them lasting and looking good for as long as possible. It does like accelerate the wear and um, just can kind of like warp things a little bit. That said, like if you get a touch of water, like I, I definitely have several times and like it's not going to ruin them by any means but it's more of a you know it's more of like a a, a sun maxing day shoe like ideally you're you're kind of going on a it's, it's more of like a, a good weather day <laughs> but maybe eventually i'll do something like um i'm actually curious like i mean i know right now it's like it's kind of this vendetta against rubber soles but you can actually have natural rubber and the rubber that's used in like you know your classic uh nikes or whatever is rubber, but it's actually like this rubber polymer with plastic and dyes and all this stuff. But but rubber comes from rubber trees. Like rubber is a natural product. Uh, it's not grounded, but it's but it can be natural. So maybe in the future I could do something with like a natural rubber sole, yet still figure out ways to have it grounded, like through the copper, through some other kind of system. Um, but that could also like allow for maybe like a like a hiking boot or something like something with more traction because that's another trade off is like we're talking about a literal leather sole on these which is obviously not going to have as much traction as like a tire <laughs> you know so like uh, you know the current the current model is more of like a casual daily wear it's not like you know it's not going to replace your like active wear shoe like that you're like you know exercising and doing stuff in but it's the perfect thing to just throw on for you know wearing for your day to day stuff but. Yeah, you know, there's 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 some trade-offs of getting rid of that uh, that nasty petroleum uh, tread sole, but at the same time, it just makes it you just feel so different wearing risals because you're like wearing something that's native, and it just like the way it hits the ground is just like flat, like even more than with my other barefoot shoes that I've worn for years. Like there's just something about that purely flat leather slab of a sole, and just so people know too is like because um, I think some people probably kind of imagine it unlike how it feels in person because they they hear that the upper is leather and the sole is leather but so they imagine it being like extremely supple but the reality is like the upper leather is like a soft leather but the sole is like a serious slab of water buffalo leather which yes as far as like a shoe sole goes it's minimal but but it's not like you're wearing like a leather sock like it has some you know it, it has like a slab to it like so it's still a sole um so it's definitely like substantial um but still minimal of course and flat and and that just gives it such a like a flat like flop of a feel like there's something just very natural about it like even more so than 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 other barefoot shoes at least in my personal experience and like what i've heard from people so there's something special about just like the all leather and and especially just leather touching your feet and of course like similar arguments to why we're avoiding polyester clothing and you know wearing linen and organic cotton and hemp and all these great materials and um, that's something that I think is really cool is like the, the, the insole. So like the, which is also flat, of course, is that's just like veg tan natural leather. So very natural surface that your, that your foot is touching, which is a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there is absolutely a different tactile experience from interacting with natural fiber versus fabricated 
artificial fiber. It's it's something that really is somewhat subtle, but also pretty pretty powerful. And 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 touch touch is such a neglected sense, and and it is just mm. like, I mean, everything we touch most of the day is like a smooth, soft surface. Go rub your hand over the surface of the trunk of a tree and feel that bark. That it it mm. awakens something within your entire body mind and the same is true for for like wooden you know kitchen tools or or even leather shoes they're both oh, really man. powerful ways i love what you're getting at right now because i'm all about that stuff like i'm just like any even with the with the organic clothing or, or natural clothing it's like anything that has like a texture or like a knit or like even like different uh like like natural dyes and really cool like subtleties i love stuff like that or or like wood that's not perfect you know I, I i'm all about stuff like that kind of the the more handcrafted less man, mass manufactured um type of stuff again this theme keeps coming back of like things that used to be it, i don't know have you ever read sacred economics yes by eisenstein yeah i i think about that i'm due for a reread of it but you know it's like we just took all these things and cheapened them and mass produced them and made them like we've we've changed our standards like that's something that's really interesting is you know like when you have like a, like a bunch of people see like a risal TikTok or something, like obviously you get a lot of comments from people that don't get it. And a lot of people are like, oh, this is like so expensive or whatever. And it's like, dude, what's truly expensive is your, is you buying an $100 plastic shoe made of petroleum in China that costs $3 to make and might, may or may not be in a sweatshop. It's like, that is, that is expensive. That is true expensive. Whereas like, you know, the cost of a handmade leather shoe, like the the cost to make that is just a lot different. And you're you're there's real materials, there's real people like making it, and that's just like a different thing. And it gives it a different quality, you know, it gives it a different essence to to know it didn't just like come out of a machine. It it was rather like, you know, things were pieced and cut and stitched and um I've always loved that type of stuff and it just gives it a different energy. Yeah, that's another an even deeper layer from the natural fibers, like the people's hands and care and love that went into making that thing. There may very well be some sort of vibrational essence or residue left within that material when you have it in your hands. And, you know, I, I tend yeah. to believe in those kinds of things. I don't think it's crazy at all. I do too. I think there's like a love in it. I, I think about that, like, like I said, so far I, I'm, I pack them myself just cause it's kind of fun for right now. I mean, maybe at some scale I'll eventually like have to hire that out. I'll, I'll never, I'll never outsource it ever. I, if anything, I'll just, I'll hire it in house. Um, I think that's so I, back to the e-commerce stuff. I think that's a real, like people make a lot of mistakes and people just want to automize everything and make everything software and make everything automatic hands off, which is great. I did that with the old stuff I was doing. But there's something about that hands-on touch that just like breeds more life into things. So, you know, even down to the packaging, like um, like they the shoes are like rather than having some like, you know, manufactured like shoe box with a bunch of like, you know, plastic wrap around the shoe or whatever. And like, you know, these are just like they're put into this cotton drawstring bag and that's in that's in like an just a regular cardboard shipping box with like branded tape and just like having that sort of like hand uh having the whole experience be like continuous in that way and having the same vibe, I think is really important. So yeah, I definitely think, um, I definitely think that stuff does make a difference. Agree. Agreed. And anyone who really pays attention to things, items, one may being handmade, one being sort of mass produced will, will agree. It's just not something that everyone is, is attending to or, or really paying attention to It's because it's subtle, but it's there. It, it really is a, a true, part of, of reality. And another question that's bubbling up on, on these shoes is I, I know Moxon's leather shoes are, you know, 12,000 year old technology. They go way back. And I'm, I'm curious if you can like train or like run in, in these shoes or are, more, are they more of loafers? And, and is it possible to create an earthing shoe? Like if you had Rizel with laces that were more oriented towards fitness and training, is that, or is that just not even really in the realm of, of possibility? I think it's possible. It's something I'm thinking about. To be honest, I don't think it'll be in the first handful of next styles that I knock out. Um, I'm kind of going after, and, and the reason for that is there's a lot, not not grounded, but there's a lot of great athletic wear barefoot shoes already. And like, and, and again, in those contexts, you might want the as much traction as you can and making sure everything's perfectly tight and, and, and all of those things. 
And, and there's great examples of that. What I felt like didn't exist was the casual day-to-day shoe that I would have wanted, that I wanted to wear before I got into barefoot shoes. Like I used to be just into nice leather shoes years and years, years ago. Like I've always loved this sort of vibe of things even before the health angle. And then I just started wearing like, you know, Vivos and these other brands that are great, but it wasn't my style. So style was honestly like a big first inspiration for it It was like, I want to make chill, casual day-to-day shoes because I feel like that doesn't exist. And the athletic stuff is being done well, though you're right, not grounded. Actually, you you can ground them yourself. That was actually, that was actually an early part of the story was I grounded my Vivos, um, which is interesting because like, it's not as easy as you would think to like do it on an already constructed shoe to like get the copper properly in there. So the way the way it did it when I did it myself, like on this already constructed shoe, it would definitely like kind of bother my foot and stuff like that because it wasn't like perfectly in there. Um, th- and that's another thing people wonder about is like, oh, do you feel like does it feel like you're like stepping on a rock or something? And, like, no, it definitely doesn't. It's like flush, and at most you slightly feel it, and as the bottom part wears, then you don't feel it even at all. Um, but yeah, you know, that was definitely part of it. But, you know, like I was kind of saying with with the natural rubber, for example, maybe in the future, something like that could be more of an active wear type of shoe. Um, but at least for the short term, I'm more focused on the like, chill, casual, um, lifestyle day to day wear shoe, because um, that feels very underserved and um, is personally what I want to wear most of the time. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with throwing on Vivos or whatever other brand like for your like more active stuff but yeah that's that, that's at least the way I'm thinking about it now like all um you know even even things that are like not as technically perfect for for movement like for example like like sandals or even a flip-flop uh I still think that would be sweet for Rizal um yeah there's like some mechanic things that are not perfectly ideal but like dude it'd be so awesome to just throw on to like walk down to the beach or whatever like i would definitely still do that um so i'm more thinking on like that side versus like uh i think at least if i had to like rank the the areas of importance for risal i think the the like the biomechanics and the foot the wide toe box stuff that's just like obvious like that's just like duh like every shoe should have that in the first place like why are we even living in a world where like shoes are not shaped like feet like that part should just be like obvious so I actually think like the the hierarchy of things, the way I think about it is like the grounding and the material and the the leather and, and natural materials for me are like the main points. And then just like, obviously it's not going to have arch support and a cramped toe like that. Those things are just kind of obvious. So that's at least the way I'm thinking of it. But I mean, definitely like want to hear what, what you think, what, what other people think too. And like, um, you know, my goal is just to really like keep expanding to, to more and more and more styles, keeping in the same theme, of course, course grounded of course as much of a focus on natural materials as we can and of course always wide toe and zero drop but lots in the works um hoping to just keep cranking out styles like it's been pretty cool to have this response with just just the slip on and really only two colors at the beginning and now four so um i just can't wait till i have like you know five ten different styles in the in the collection will be will be so exciting yeah it's awesome it's really exciting to see see grow even just as as a as an observer and with the four colors they have or how are those how are those dyed and are you, are you seeking to add more colors to, to come out soon for for folks who want a, I don't know other colors that you don't currently have yeah no that's a great question I think that's definitely an area to like to to still improve like as Rizal kind of like grows and gets like more into the the weeds of it I mean right now we're just kind of like doing our best to like source stuff that's leathers that are already you know existing like not doing the whole dying process like in-house by any means but eventually i mean that'd be so cool that's something i think about with 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 clothing especially the good thing even with risals is like the your, the dyed parts are only on the outside anyways it's not like the parts that are actually in contact with you but yeah no that's definitely an area that i would love i mean it'd be so cool to like figure out some some truly truly like all like something this is so underserved i'll reveal one of my ideas that i may or may not do at one point that's not risal i almost did this before risal actually a couple of years ago when i first got really excited about natural clothing was obviously like you know these materials are good but the dyes like you can have like an organic cotton shirt that's still like dyed with questionable stuff but there's like one brand that i know in existence at all that like dyes with like roots and flowers and like stuff like that and i think that stuff is so cool and so underserved so 
somebody might steal that idea. Maybe I'll still get to it, but I would love to do a whole clothing line of like, not just natural materials, but natural dyes, uh, just keeping the entire process uh, really cool. But, but yeah, leather is probably a little more tricky for that. But in a lot of cases, I think it will be possible to just do um, undyed, like, like it's just like veg tan, which is just like a, um, I think it's acorn based. And they basically just like sun tan the leathers with like essentially like natural oils um, and that like kind of tans the leather. So um, definitely pro- very likely we'll have some styles that are like that like actually the sole right now is like that the sole is not dyed and the insole is not dyed um so yeah i would like that that sounds cool i like the the thought of that makes me think of sort of like live edge wood i i just love and to think of like a raw like raw leather shoes i I imagine leather has you know natural characteristics and undyed and raw would be probably pretty cool similar to the to the live edge wood type type deal exactly yeah, I'm definitely thinking about stuff like that for sure, especially for some of like the the sandals and stuff that I'm that I'm working on at the moment. I think will be really cool. Like even just having leather that's like unlined, um, so it doesn't have like uh, like a thin other material leather. Like sometimes you have like a leather and then it's like stitched or glued to like an inner lining leather. Uh, whereas if you just have it rough, then like the inside is like that kind of like fuzzy leather material. You know what I'm talking about? Like a rough edge. So yeah. probably going to do more of that for like the sandals where it's just like one piece of leather and you get like the rough edges and stuff like that. So definitely thinking on the, along the same lines. Um, that'll be that'll be really sweet. But yeah, for now, I mean, on the slip on, I don't know. I might do some more colors at the same time. It's like it, I, I don't know if like too many options almost becomes like confusing in a way. <laughs> but <laughs> I definitely think there's some untapped colors still like. I don't even have like a dark brown or a black, which is for sure like high demand. And I don't, don't even have those yet, but that's because I'm really wanting to find the right brown and black. And I haven't yet, uh, but you know, I would like to find some leather with this is back to the texture thing actually, but like some leather has really nice texture in it. And like, I don't want a leather that's just perfectly smooth or perfectly, um, you know, just like homogenous. Like I'd rather it have some like kind of that, like, uh, that depth of color to like that almost like cracking and like that that depth of color in in the leather would be would be really ideal so still searching for that but I'm sure I'm sure like I think we'll get to everything over in time like I've got I've literally got so many things saved for inspiration and and ideas and I'm already in this like the sampling and iteration phase on uh, really like two or three styles already um, so hopefully like within the next two, three months, there will already be some fully completely different styles out there. So, but yeah, colors will be fairly easy. It's not too hard. uh, It's really just about sourcing the right leather. And then like the manufacturing is the same, (laughs) obviously. So yeah, I could do like black or I don't know. Awesome. And I've been really enjoying and inspired by, by everything that you shared so far. You're clearly really attentive to detail you, you care about the craft of what you're doing you're, you're thinking deeply about these things from like mm-hmm. every angle and it's it's motivating I, I hope everyone listening kind of picks up on that passion and is able to kind of catch the vibe of, of of what you're sharing and what you're kind of putting into your work and 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 your your creativity in the world i think it's incredibly awesome and i i commend you for that and, and appreciate the the time that you spent with me kind of sharing everything under the hood it, it's it's been an incredible conversation that i've, I've really enjoyed is, is there anything else that you'd, that you'd like to share with with everybody listening um yeah i mean not particularly like i, I yeah i hope it didn't just come off as like a like a sales pitch or something like that i'm just excited to be talking about it because it's still such a new thing but like yeah you know i'm uh it's really just i'm into all this stuff you know down to the just natural living is really what it's all about and like I just think, like I said, it's just like crucial that we like get back to that on some level, like getting outside, getting sun, getting grounded, jumping in the ocean, eating actual clean food, touching grass, you know, like this stuff is so key. And, and even having technology and business play a part of that, I think business is like a spiritual thing and you can really like make a, make a dent in the world with business. It's honestly one of, one of the most um, effective ways to do that, I think, is to, to make change in the world is by like, you know, playing in that system. And I think we need more we need more businesses on our side of Twitter, you know, like we need more of these brands and like people are ready to support this stuff. Like it's such a, it's such a ripe area. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I just, I, I literally have ideas in this in this space, like every day, like it's, there's, I, I just want to do so many things. And um, 
yeah um yeah it's just it just feels like a a ripe time to like get these things out there and really make a dent like well here, here's something that that I'll, I'll touch on real quickly is like i've actually been in this stuff for like i mean the sound not to like say like oh i was in it earlier or whatever <laughs> but like i've been in this stuff for a long time actually like i, I the seeds i i started i was thinking about this earlier and like i hadn't thought about this in like 10 years but like i literally did like a school project on xenoestrogens in like 2011 and i was just thinking back on that and i was like damn like that's kind of crazy because like really it feels like it just blew up in the last like year or two like online you know and or something like seed oils like uh it's been absolutely almost confusing to me to see like the adoption like the the acceptance of seed oils being bad in the last like year or two because this was so fringe for so long and suddenly suddenly there's been like a wake up maybe maybe like just covid and like even what's happening in like banking and crypto, like people are just waking up to a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. And, you know, seeing just like the meteoric rise of like Van Man and his tallow and like, you know, seed oil, anti-seed oils and like even raw milk. Uh, it's just like, honestly, it's stunning to me that like suddenly we're living in this world where like a lot of people are caring about this shit. <laughs> and it's still very, it's still very niche and very fringe for sure. Like, don't get me wrong, but like suddenly people get it like, suddenly a lot of people have blue blockers suddenly a lot of people care about seed oils like around here at least like there's a few restaurants that are like tapped in and like you'll just like overhear conversations about like literally like raw milk and seed oils <laughs> like it's, it's it's just so cool um so yeah i don't know where i'm going with that but it's just it's just really amazing to see and i don't even know like how that finally clicked but something special is happening now and I don't know. We just got to ride that wave and and put things out there and and, and keep crushing. And I think you're I think you're doing a, a great part of that, like with this podcast and with everything you're doing on Twitter. And um, yeah, I don't know. Let's just let's just keep it rolling. <laughs> Agreed. It's an exciting time. Time to put the the pedal to the metal and really just just push because we've we've got this opportunity to really create the more beautiful world our our hearts know as possible. It's 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 right there. It's happening. Ooh, I'm listening to that right now. <laughs> it's so good. It, it's every, so good. Every, if, you, if anyone listening hasn't uh, listened to that, it, it's been a big catalyst for me and, and everything that I've been been sharing on the internet. It's it's a positive vision of, of the world that we could build that that is is already existing. We've just got to put in the work to kind of make it make it real. And and that's that's where we're going. We're not you know heading to any of this these dystopian disasters that some will you know uh, share on the internet. We're, we're going in a different direction to the, to the more beautiful world, hearts and as possible. And, and, and Rizal Shoes are a big part of that evolution, reconnecting to the earth. And I appreciate the work that, that you're doing to, to share all that and bring it to the fore and the inspiration that, that you've shared through this podcast. I think a lot of people are going to be excited about the opportunities at hand and, and just ready to go, ready to go get it. So Yeah, something something Noah Ryan brought up on his podcast that I hadn't even thought about was he was like, for some people, Rizal might be their entry point into all this other stuff. And I was like, dude, I hadn't even like that honestly hadn't even occurred to me at the beginning. It's like the same way, like for me, it actually wasn't food. For me, it was like the uh, hygiene products was the first thing I ever got into. And that was kind of like what led me down the rabbit hole of like all the other things, food, water, everything else. And like, yeah, you know, for some people, they might like see an ad for Rizal and then like six months later, they're like avoiding seed oils. <laughs> like that'd be so cool. <laughs> So, um, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah, man. I, 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 I thank you for all the nice things you said about Rizal. I'm glad you're stoked on it. Yeah. Cool. This has been, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed it. Um, we'll have to do another one in some time and man, that was powerful. Matt Loberstein. Thank you. Thank you, man.